This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have David on from CloudPay, and we're going to talk about the relationship between earned wages access and employee well-being. And so what is that relationship uh, between those two things? And David's an expert in in these things and uh, and also in in global payroll in general, because that's what CloudPay does. But we're going to let him tell us that. So, David, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and introduce CloudPay? Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I'm, I'm David Barack. I'm the CMO at CloudPay. I've been with the company for a little bit over five years now. And CloudPay is a company that for some 25 years is really focused on helping companies pay their employees across the globe. And we do that across 130 countries. And we also help deliver the actual payments to those employees, right? I think that's one of the most important relationships an employee has with their employer is making sure they get paid for the work they do. And it wasn't until about a year ago that we really started to see an uptick in demand for pay flexibility. And this was a demand that was starting out in the U.S., and you see a number of organizations that are satisfying or trying to satisfy the need. It's often referred to as on-demand pay here in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but we saw a global need. I think some of it had to do with the pandemic. I think some of it just had to do with the fact that we were all kind of taught as a, you know as organizational leaders to start to be a little more in tune with the financial well-being and mental well-being of our employees. And I think that opened up the discussion around, well, you know, what is this relationship between when you get paid and how you get paid and your financial well-being and your mental well-being and your overall health? So CloudPay got into that space about a year ago. Uh, and, you know, that's what um, I'm excited to talk to you about. I think there's, there's a lot of macro dynamics that are global that are really driving this change between how we reimburse our employees for the labor, when we do it, and what relationship that has um, on their well-being, but also organizational well-being, right? You think about like your speed to recruit, the quality of candidates you get, the global battle for talent these days, all of those things have a relationship to pay. Um, and we're really starting to, to explore that as an organization. I love that. So what I love about it is the global nature of it, because, you know, inside the four walls of the U.S., um, it's interesting that, you know, people can both in an hourly setting, but also you can start seeing it creep into kind of a corporate setting that it, if they've worked, you know, so many days in a the week, they can tab out and they can get, they have access to that money, which, you know, gets people away from kind of a, you know, payday loans and some of this other kind of, you know, predatory type stuff where they, you know, they just need to make, they need to make some bills and they can't wait until their paycheck that happens two weeks from now. And so I love that, but I also love because, 
you know, what y'all do globally, it's it's nice to see that, you know, it's not just within the four walls of the United States. You know, if, if you need to do this in Brazil, you can also do this in Brazil, which is, and I'm, that's just a for example, mm-hmm. um, but you can do this elsewhere. Um, so I love the freedom for employees, you know, to be able to have access to that. Um, yeah. I love that. And I love that you're tying it back to, you know, not just financial wellness, et cetera, but, you know, mental health and employee well-being uh, and how finance money stresses people out. Yeah, I think there was a I think it was an EY, maybe a PWC study that said that three in four people with financial difficulties end up suffering some material health deterioration. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think it's really kind of brought to the forefront this relationship between pay, frustration, you know, surprise bills. I mean, think about when when the pandemic started, a lot of us had to move into our home offices. You know, not all of us were equipped with a desk, a chair, and all of the things you need to be able to focus on work. And it wasn't for a while before organizations decided whether they were, they were, were going to provide any stipends or, or help individuals build offices at home in some way, right? So, pay became a really important thing because how am I going to pay for all of these things if my paycheck and it coming back to this point of global, you know, globally, most companies pay their employees on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, what happens between the fifth of the month and the 29th of the month that you are prepared for financially. Um, So I think the pandemic started these discussions already, you know, I, I'm going to have to pay more for my internet, my air conditioning. If I'm in a country where that's in the norm, I'm going to have to pay to equip my virtual office um, and all of those things you weren't prepared for. Um, so I think that brought this to the forefront. It's it's and, interesting because we, you know, sorry. To, um, no, no, go ahead. We were already tracking this, you know, we were already kind of tracking in this direction slowly. But the pandemic kind of sped some of these things up because one of the things I, I love that you're tackling is it's the unknowns, right? It's the emergencies. You know, mm-hmm. your, your car, you know, the check engine light comes on and, you know, now, now you have no idea what that's going to be, but it's going to be something. Uh, and that creates... You never know what that light means, William. I, <laughs> I panic every time. I, I just ignore it. And just, <laughs> I, I, I assume that's, you know, a fuse that's gone bad. You know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but those emergencies that come up, the unknowns, um, you know, because, you know, most, most people can do a budget. And, you know, they have, a, they have an idea of how much money comes in and they, they have an idea of how much goes out. The problem is, is there's always something that they haven't planned. It just, it just happens. No yeah. matter how good you are at it, there's just, that's why savings and, and uh, that's why this, you know, earned, you know, access, uh, being, have, having access to it helps people have access to the, the work they've already done. So the yeah. work's already been consumed and they can then, again, deal with the emergency, the stress of that emergency and, uh, and, and remedy it and then adjust as they need to. Yeah. And it kind of like the, this almost talks to the fundamental relationship between employees and employers, right? You've you got to go back centuries to find a time when people got reimbursed for their pay immediately 
upon mm. completing the work. Right. For the, you know, for the better part of the last two centuries, you completed your work and then the employer determined how often you would get paid for it. Right. And of course, we're not talking about the contractor that might help come to your home and you know, fix your stove or assemble some furniture. We're talking about enterprise uh, workforces where it's almost set at a country level, right? The employee says, well, in this country, we, or the employer says, in this country, we pay you once a month. And you're just supposed to be okay with that. Right. Uh, so I think that challenges that entire relationship. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of money that sits in employer payroll accounts. Right. That is not deployed in the economy. So there, there are implications on the overall economy uh, and the movement of money that, if broadly adopted, on-demand pay or earned wage access will have implications there that I think are beneficial for both employee and employers, right? If you're, ser- if you're selling services as an organization, if you can get more money out into the market that your employees and the employees of other organizations can use throughout the month, that's beneficial for everyone. And, oh, go ahead. No, finish your thought. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, like, when we started to get into this space at CloudPay, we really faced two big objections. That's where I was going to go. I was going to ask you about the reluctance. Yeah. And, and you know, the reluctance first is on the, on the U.S. versus the globe. I think mm-hmm. there's been adoption here in the U.S. of this. And the question's always, well, is there really a global need? You know, and I think the pandemic's kind of answered that question for right. us in some ways. Um, but I think the second question, and I bet we're all almost primed to think this way, is when we talk about accessing your wages ahead of payday, we're probably imagining a person that's either not that good with their money or is maybe a low wage earner, right? You kind of assume that it caters Mm -hmm. to a specific subset of the employee population. And we started to see that, you know what, this isn't just about, can I pay for an emergency? Right. It's actually, how much control do I have over my pay? Because, right. you know, maybe why is it that the employer gets to set that? And why can't I, you know, generation, you know, Z, millennials, generation Y, thinking about, you know, that on-demand economy that they've grown up in, why am I not the ones, even if I'm making, you know, six-figure salaries, not the one deciding when I get paid? So employee flexibility, I think, is employee pay flexibility, I think, is universal. It doesn't matter what side of the income scale you're on or what part of the globe you're on. It's about taking back that control. And again, from an employer's perspective, you know, that is a powerful benefit. If you think about the recruiting opportunities there, um, if you think about the opportunities to retain talent long-term, you know, if you're in a company that gives people that kind of flexibility and your employees in Belgium can now decide that they, you know, they want to get paid on every other Thursday because that's how they've set up their bill pay, or maybe that's how they've set up their money movement or investment strategy. If they're now going to decide to move somewhere else, that employer better have something just like that in order for them to take them from you, because right. that's going to, this is going to be one of those benefits that everyone uses. I have through my company portal, 
the ability to go buy, I don't know, movie tickets at 20% off. <laughs> How often am I using that? How often are people using those kind of benefits that organizations spend a lot of time developing versus a benefit like this where, you know, it impacts their day-to-day? It's interesting that you talk about the power and the control and, and you know, there was at one point discussions around employers using the float, using basically the money, work's being done, we'll pay you later mm-hmm. as, as a way to float both the business, but also maybe even make money on that, on that money. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see that as much. I don't see as many articles about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see, I see, you know, more articles about the consumerization of this. And it's funny, the years ago, I was in a lift and, uh, and, you know, guy said, you know, I think this is going to be my last, you know, ride for the day. I said, oh, that's cool. He goes, yeah, I'm just going to tab out. I said, mm-hmm. tab out, tell me a little bit about that. He's like, well, I work for Uber and Lyft, but Uber at the time it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's since changed, but. Um, at the time Uber paid you on a weekly, like you could tab out at the end of the week. Um, but Lyft at that time, you could tab out at the end of a ride, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like the ride's done, click and money's wired and it's done. And I just found it fascinating that it's like, okay, we're consumerizing this for, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're getting accustomed to it both in our, in our personal lives. And that's going to that's bleeding over into our corporate lives, which again, I love how you framed up. You know, people make the assumption that these are check to check. You know, people that can't balance a budget or they struggle with money and this that, and the other. It's like, mm, yeah, yeah. There's going to be some of that, of course. Mm-hmm. But by and large, you know, this this is for everybody to then take control of how again you're working, you're doing the work. You know, it's technically your money. (laughs) That's right. right. And, um, and I think, you know, when we, when you start, like, I I think it's interesting you raise this idea of float, right? Because one of the things that we needed to start doing for companies where we were coming in, you know, with something like on-demand pay, you also don't know which part of the organization is ideal for bringing that into the company. Right. right. Like you sell so many benefits or you bring so many benefits through the benefits and comp uh, parts of the organization. But this one touches so many different elements. You can bring it in through the recruiting organization. You can bring it in through the payroll organization. You can bring it in through benefits as well. So we had to start doing ROI calculations for companies that first started to come to us. And, you know, and they had these questions of, well, my treasury team is going to ask me, why should we? forego this float, right? My, yep. my payroll team's going to ask me, well, why should we, you know, isn't this going to make me process payroll more often? Isn't there a headache there, right? So <laughs> you've got to kind of answer some of those questions for companies. But what was really interesting to me is when we ran some analysis on what happens when you hire people, like, you know, th- think about the number of people that accept a job offer and then have to start on a specific day not because that's when they want to start, but because that's when you kick off your onboarding and payroll cycle, right? So you found the perfect person, you've got the talent lined up, you have a need, but now you got to wait in a week and a half or two before they can start, maybe a month in certain countries, 
because you want it to align with your internal processes around pay. And then that person starts and they're like, well, you started, you know, three days before the payroll cutoff. So you're actually going to have to wait a month and a half before your first paycheck. That's not an ideal experience for an employee, right? And it's not a great situation for an employer where maybe they can bring someone in as quickly as they want them to. So this is where on-demand pay and earned wage access can start to almost take your existing processes and immediately change them, immediately make them both more desirable for the employee and the hiring manager that wants that person to start for them right away. Um, so it's, it's these kind of applications and translating this to organizations that, that really start to get people to lean in and say, you know what, tell me more about this because I, I, I'm starting to see other use cases where this might help me recruit better, may help me retain better um, and do it on a global scale. Right. Right. Again, that's, that's one of the benefits is you're not just thinking about the four walls of the U.S. It's you're thinking about talent as we should all think about talent in a global way. And again, I think it's, I think the air's out of the bottle, you know, on some level that as you do this, you know, people are just going to come to expect it at, at whatever job. And if you don't have that, you're at a disadvantage on the recruiting side. Uh, I loved how you framed up also the retention part. There's, there's engagement that's thrown in there, but also, you know, people that like, like this model of, you know what, I don't have to wait two weeks. I don't have to wait a month. Like in, like in certain countries, I don't have to wait a whole month. And it's not about an emergency. Like you said, it's not about a, some type of headache or something, something like that. It's just, I want access to the money, mm-hmm. uh, which I, which I love. Um, Let's get back to the wellness side for just a second, because, you know, some of your customers are probably coming back to you with stories of, of how this is helping people uh, because, you know, access to, again, you've done the work, you have access to it. Okay. You can, you can do it. You can configure it in a way that you want to, whatever, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship between that and mental health and wellness, financial wellness and well-being, as we phrased it, you know, what are some of the stories that you're hearing from your customers around well-being? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's been it's been fascinating when you think broadly about the well-being stack. You know, I think there's there's an analyst in the space who <clears throat> talks about the entire well-being stack that organizations need to engage with, whether that's fitness, nutrition, sleep management, right? And, and then financial well-being and education fall into that. Um, we're hearing just fantastic stories about, you know, HR managers or CHROs heating, hearing from their staff about how someone was able to make a payment uh, without having to turn to a payday lender. About how someone who used to borrow money from their parents in the middle of the month and then pay them at the end of the month, no longer has to do that. And, and these are touching stories because, you know, they're impacting, I mean, most of the stories we've been hearing so far around younger um, employees that are kind of recently joining the workforce. They're also the most likely to adopt these tools. And, you know, it's one thing to deploy it. It's, you know, are your employees going to then use it as well? So it's these stories of, you know, even things like paying off my student loan debt a little bit earlier every month, right? Instead of making um, 
you know, 12 payments a year, can I make 14 or 16 to reduce the interest that I carry overall? So it's these kind of stories that are starting to come to us. And, and, you, and, you, and you're kind of like, wow, we, we didn't even think of these solutions or these use cases, but they're, but they're wonderful examples where I think the relationship between the employer and employee can get tighter, right? You can create that culture of we care about your well-being. Um, and I think it's, we've seen this in a couple of places, even in our own staff, you know, Generation Y is often asking, what can your, what can this brand do for me? Right? It's not just, I've come here and I'm going to do this work and get paid. It's what can this brand do for me overall, for my brand, for my well-being, for my financial health? And organizations that are adopting platforms like this, on-demand pay, earned wage access, are starting to answer this question in a way that's far more intimate and far more personal. It's interesting as you as you talked about the student loans thing. I was thinking about finance, you know, finance charges on on uh, on credit cards and things like that, or mortgages, whatever. There's always a there's always a late fee on every, pretty much everything, right? And, and again, this is some of this is about managing money, but some of this is if you have access, then you can avoid some of those finance charges, which ultimately brings money back to you, money that you would have paid and some type of fee. You don't have to pay those fees because you have access, uh, which I find, which, you know, again, I think that gets to stress, which, you know, it's directly linked to well-being, right? So if we can somehow mitigate the, the financial stress that folks go, go through, then they're going to live healthier. They're going to feel better and they're going to, they're going to probably even perform better. I mean, that'll be, you know, probably something we have to study, but it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how that, shows up elsewhere. Yeah, and I, and I think we, we have one major brand that rolled this out across 18 countries in Europe, and they have some staff that, you know, are hourly workers that come in and they kind of, they get paid at the end of the week, but, you know, they've got this really strong relationship between hours worked and pay. Mm-hmm. So this brand has at times, I think, you know, we, we've heard stories of staff shortages, right? There's these right. exist all over the globe. So at times they've had to outline, you know, an opportunity for overtime. So they would say, Hey, there's an overtime opportunity this Saturday or this Friday evening, depending on, on the country and the shift. And in the past, they've had a hard time getting people to sign up. Right. Cause I won't see that money for two weeks. Yeah, and you also or a don't month. Yeah. or a month, and you also don't have that direct connection to. Right. If I work these overtime hours, and I'm not saying you should be looking for overtime hours, it's just one of the stories we're hearing. I'm I know I'm going to be able to collect that pay the next day, and I know my overtime pay is 1.5 times what my normal pay is. Right, so now their overtime signups are much higher, and they've got. You know, they obviously need to fix the staff shortage problem that they have, but they are creating this direct relationship between pay and hours work for some individuals and also helping them out directly by saying, here's that pay you wanted uh, whenever it's requested. So there's there's direct implications there that 
that we're starting to see that are quite interesting. It's just it's a it's not just a new way of work that we've creating we're we're creating new expectations, which are wonderful. I mean, there's so many benefits, you know. Um, yeah, there's probably some some for those that don't can't manage their money uh, really really well. Yeah, there might be some downsides, but the upsides for the majority of the people that you deal with. And again, I love that y'all are tackling this from a global perspective. Um, well, you know, I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, but I, I, I love that you're tackling it again, looking across countries, like you said, you're, with your example of 18 countries, you know, there's different, there's different laws, there's different employment laws and, you know, payroll laws and all the payroll uh, things that have to go on. But at the end of the day, if they want access to it, they have access to it, which I love. And I just think once we go f- further down that path, you know, fast forward two or three years, that's just going to be normal. Like you're going to normal, you're, you're a part of normalizing that. I think so. I think this is long-term. This will change even, even the payroll organization at companies. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, well, there are some countries where payroll teams are processing payroll on a weekly basis. Right. And on the one hand, it's great because those employees are getting paid more, uh, more frequently. On the other hand, you're running a process four times that, you know, is, is pretty challenging. Running payroll is not right. an easy thing. Right? <laughs> and you can't mess it up. So you there's that. You can't mess it up, right? There's zero, you know, there is zero room for error. So yeah. You can even see how this would, you know, why are you processing payroll weekly? What if you just gave your employees the ability to decide when they want their money? Yeah. And then you process it as frequently as that country's, yeah. uh, you know, regulatory bodies require, right. which might be quarterly for tax purposes, right? right. Whatever it is. Um, so, so I think there's just, there's a lot of ways that I think this will ultimately change the process. But I want to come back to something you said around, you know, are employees going to know how to use this, right? right? Like, because I, I think one thing we found as we started to sell this, organizations, CHROs were coming to us and, and they had those fears of, you know, well, mm-hmm. am I going to have my employees come to me at the end of the month now and say, yep. oh, I, you know, I shouldn't have taken all this money out because I can't yep. make my monthly payments now. Um, so we quickly saw an opportunity and a reason to introduce financial literacy and mm-hmm. budgeting. And so I think for organizations that are thinking of deploying on-demand pay, you can't just put out a tool and tell your employees, here you go, decide how you want to use it. You have to, and you have to almost embed financial literacy in there because it's so new. You know, it took so many of us a decade to learn how to use credit cards, right? We weren't necessarily very good with it in high school. By the time we got to, you know, a little bit after college, maybe we figured it out. Right. This is going to take time. And I think it's another way that employers can invest in their employees and show that they care by saying, here's some embedded tools for how to make sure you use this flexibility to your advantage and not Mm -hmm. to your detriment. Well, and you've just, you close the loop because that financial literacy gets back to the well-being, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're getting smarter. Uh, They get, they understand uh, fundamentally, like we're not taught personal finance in, in, you know, middle school or high school. So this is just wonderful. David, as always, I love talking with you. Great topic. And thanks for coming on the recruiting daily podcast. This was fun. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time. 
You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.